Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary, a Buffy and Angel podcast. I'm Jenny. And I'm Allie. And today we're talking about Hell's Bells (laughs) and (laughs) Sleep Tight. Also, Hell's Bells. Different (laughs) grunts for different reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But uh, how are you doing today? This weekend. I'm good. Um, Maybe a I'm little tired. tired. <laughs> yeah, it's early. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's good. I um, I got back from, I've been traveling again, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this week has just been like, you know, trying to readjust to like, it's terrible coming back from vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I just like want to stay on vacation forever. Yeah. Um, every time I come back from a vacation, I'm like, ah, you know, I know people like say they get really fulfilled by their work, but I just think I, I could be unemployed and be fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I would get bored eventually, but yeah. three days isn't enough to get me to that point. Yeah, so. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, how are you? Uh, good. We're entertaining, um, Alex's sister this weekend. We've been busy, um, but it's good. It has, I don't know, I'm, it's warm here, but it's not as hot as it could be, and I'm, like, just grateful. I'm just happy that it's not hotter. (laughs) We walked around all day yesterday, and I was like, man, this really could have been brutal. I don't know why that's my go-to thought, but it just feels like it's, it's, it's really close to being summertime weather, and so I'm like, any, any holdout, I'll take it. Yeah. Boston was really cold, actually. Like, well, the first day I got there was, like, warm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it really wasn't, yeah, you're right. Like it wasn't hot. Like yeah. I was like, oh, well, it could be really, really warm. Yeah. I also beat Mar- Super Mario Odyssey a few days ago. So it's been a good big week for me. So, so is that the, is that the game on the <clears throat> switch? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that the Mario brothers game on the switch or are there different ones? It's the only one that I know of. Okay. So I was playing that in Boston oh, yeah? because Claire and Ryan got a switch. Were well, you were playing with Cappy? You had a little hat? Uh... No. Oh. Oh, maybe there is a different game. No, we were playing, like, the Super Mario Brothers. Oh. Yeah. Um, but we beat that, too. So that was fun. <laughs> well, what was the premise of the game? It was just, like, a regular Mario game. But you like played you, as Mario. Yeah, and then you could be, like, she, Claire played as Toadette. Oh, no, there is a different game. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Hmm. No, I don't know that one. She yeah, played as Toadette. That's cute. Yeah, although I will say those tiny little controllers are so hard to play with. Yeah. It's so easy to hit the wrong button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, was, it took me some getting used to. Hmm. Yeah, she was getting really mad at me, and I was like, I'm sorry, I my thumb is too big for this yeah. like tiny little <laughs> controller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the one that I was playing is, um, it's more like the N64 Mario, or you're just Mario. It's not like, it's oh, not okay. really multiplayer. There is okay. a two-player setting, and it's very bad. <laughs> <laughs> the whole premise is that you have this like kind of magic cat and it it's like your weapon and it like you can become other characters and like that's kind of how you get through certain levels and stuff but if you play two player somebody just plays the hat but it's like really boring. I was like oh, uh, no thanks. <laughs> we tried to do it one day. I was like this is really lame. I would, I'd rather just watch you play. <laughs> but yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about Hell's Bells. Yeah. That wasn't a segue at all. Just jumping no. into it. <laughs> Hell's Bells. Okay. Yeah. You you tell us what happened in Hell's Bells, Oof. and then we can talk about what happened in Hell's Bells. Yes. Uh... This is a kind of a tra- uh, maybe not traumatic, but it was a rough episode. I think um, rough in a lot of ways. Rough in a lot of ways. 
I mean, I think the summary is pretty straightforward. I mean, we finally, yeah. Xander and Anya have been engaged. They're finally getting married um, in this episode. And so it's pretty much just the, you know, the whole thing takes place the day, maybe the night before and the day of their wedding. And so they have all this family in town. You know, we already know that Xander's family is pretty bad. We've only heard terrible things about his parents and maybe a few other peripheral family members and it they turn out to be just as bad as he's always described them like his dad is a drunk his mom is you know passive aggressive and everything everything is just kind of going poorly especially because Anya's whole side of the wedding party is actual demons and they're having to like explain them away to Xander's human family who don't really know anything about this so it's just very awkward everybody's at each other's throats everybody's mad at each other blah 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 so Uh, Meanwhile, the only person who seems to really be excited is Anya. She seems super, super happy to be getting married to Xander. She keeps going over her vows, which are, you know, increasingly like Anya in silly in their Anya-ness. But then she finally kind of gets to the heart of it. And it just it seems like she's just genuinely really happy to be getting married. But Xander, on the other hand, is maybe getting more and more nervous as the day goes on. And um, between breaking up fights between all his family members or between the two wedding parties, he meets this old man who tells him he's not, he's like, Oh, I don't know who you are. And he's like, how do you not recognize me? I'm you from the future. And this old man shows Xander, he has this little magical orb and he shows him his future. And he's saying, I came here to stop you from getting married to Anya because this is the biggest mistake you're going to make in your life. And he shows them this really horrific version of the future where pretty much it's, all of Xander and maybe Anya, but I think it's specifically Xander's like worst fears for their marriage. It's that like he gets injured fighting alongside Buffy, so he can't work. So Anya has to, you know, work extra hard to pay for their two kids that they end up having and their kids don't like each other and they don't like them. And it's just this like really bad version of their marriage specifically. And at the end of it, um, uh, at the end of the vision, Xander is like about to assault Anya in future Anya and then the demon or oops spoiler alert he's a demon not really Xander then future Xander like takes him out of the vision and Xander's like so aghast that he's gonna ever get to this point that it really it really does the job and uh Xander scoots out he decides he's not gonna get married and um eventually they all discover that this guy wasn't Xander from the future he was um a man that Anya in her vengeance life had previously cursed. And so he's been like plotting this vengeance on her forever. Um, And he did a really good job. And so Buffy is able to beat the demon, but the damage has been done. Xander breaks up with Anya and he tells her he does, he's not ready to get married, that they're not ready to get married. And then they leave, (laughs) he leaves. And then everybody is kind of distraught at the end of the episode, but nobody more so than Anya, who uh, we see in the very final shot get approached by, um, I forget his name, but her former vengeance demon boss, who's saying, like, basically, he'll take her back if she wants to be a vengeance demon again. To Hoffren. To Hoffren, thank you. I could only think of Halfrick, and I was like, no, 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 that's the other one. Um, this is a heavy episode. <laughs> yeah, and there's... I, uh, I... I mean, I thought it was a pretty good episode, I think. I feel like it was a really... You know, you and I have been talking for months, well, for how... I don't know how weeks about how clear it is that they're not ready to be getting married and so there is definitely a part of it that's like it's kind of the culmination of that I think like we see that Xander's been having these fears they haven't been talking about them I think even Anya is so her giddiness is 
it's very charming. And I think it's mostly in the episode to make us feel really bad when he, when he leaves her. But I also feel like she, maybe this is because I know, you know, there's like a future episode in season seven that kind of jumps back to this moment for her, but she's so consumed with their relationship. It also really feels in this episode, like she's not thinking things through either. So I guess I'm saying it's like, it's, it's a tough episode because I'm not, upset that they're not getting married, but it is so heartbreaking the way it happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, to get all the way basically to the altar and yeah. decide <laughs> that you can't do it. I mean, that's taking it too far. And I agree with you. Like Anya seems giddy in a way that makes her seem nice so, yeah. and nervous as well, but she's pushing through it because she wants this so badly yeah. um, or wants it to be true so badly, yeah. I think is a, a good read on it. And then Xander is just like shaking in his shoes already yeah this doesn't help I I agree with you like it's I think the culmination and I think it helps that this doesn't really come out of nowhere because right right I do have a like a quibble with like Xander's reasoning at the end of the episode I agree yeah like and so I think if that had just come out of the blue if this was the first episode where they both had cold feet like it would have really rung false and yeah. it already kind of does but the only reason I'm willing to kind of give a pass is because like of everything we've seen leading up to this but I I guess I agree with the like we shouldn't get married part I didn't understand his reasoning of that means we can't ever get married or be together anymore. right right yeah so he kind of took that a little bit farther. Like wonder, it kind of seems like he wasn't doubting getting married. He's doubting Anya. So, or maybe I mean, he's just afraid of what he'll become. I if think he stays that's with her. that's what it is because I think the key to that vision or the thing that really I think is the nail in the coffin for Xander is the fact that the vision ends with him about to like possibly murder her in the future. And I think he's so aghast that like anything could make him come to that point. You know, Xander has a lot of flaws, but like I don't feel like that's really something that we would expect from him from everything that we've seen from him so I, I I can understand I think the other thing is that it's not just that he sees this vision is that he sees this vision when all his family is around and he sees how awful mm-hmm. his dad is to his mother and I mean his mom isn't like some lovely character that you like really root for but it, it's, it definitely seems clear to me that like his dad is really the the worst of the two and has done worse things to their relationship so I think maybe it's the kind of that it's the two one two punch of like seeing this version of the future and then seeing his dad and that kind of making it feel like it is a reality for him, you know, that like, oh, if this is how his dad turned out, it, it's not that much of a stretch, you know? I mean, no, it should be a like, stretch, I but he's... I can understand how in that moment that would really, really, it's like, well, this is already an overwhelming it, you... moment. He already has cold feet. He's seeing his actual future in the form of his dad and then seeing his actual future in the form of a future vision is just like, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think that's it. Like, I think, He's always known who his dad is and I think always tried to not be that person. But I think even as much as he objectively knows that that vision was false. Yeah. Like, I think he can see his way to some of it happening. At least it's already happening with his parents. And, you know, I think the little annoyances that we see him have with Anya, like, I think he can see those escalate into the way his dad is behaving. Right. So I, but I still like, I, it's very upsetting it is um, it is upsetting I was really upset at the end. <laughs> I'm up, yeah I mean and I'm definitely mad that they let it get this far I, yeah god but I was really I guess yeah 
I don't know. I was well, they I was, get this far, but like the show, this is the why people hate this season. I think is the show takes everything this far. It's like, true. They're taking Xander and Anya all the way to the altar and right, and then the ripping they're taking it. Buffy <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the way to like rock bottom, and it's true. You know, they're not they're not stopping because it's uncomfortable to watch. And I yeah, I guess I applaud that because like life doesn't always just stop. But yeah, it's. Yeah, it is. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I I guess. I. But I for the most part, though, unlike some of the other things, this one mostly worked for me. I really didn't. I do feel like they laid a lot of groundwork for this. I think that the way like I said, like it's not just that some guy. I don't know. I I felt like the demon was like he was really smart about how he what he did to Xander. You know, like I I really get how at the end of it, it's hard to forget actually seeing yourself do these things in the future. You know what I mean? Where it's like, if he had just come and told him that I can see how you'd be like, ah, that was just some demon lying to me. But like something about the way he does this feels, I can understand why it's really difficult to just shake it off and like walk down the aisle right afterwards. Again, I agree with you that like maybe breaking up altogether doesn't make a lot of sense, but maybe that's just because Xander feels so guilty at that point for like leaving her now at the altar that I don't know. I don't know. Do you, I, this is a question I was thinking while I was watching this and I, I don't know how I think, but do you think that this would have worked better if Xander ever seemed like he wanted to get married or do you think that it works because we've seen that he doesn't like, I think this whole interception of the hmm. demon, like I just, it's almost like, I think it works. Like I said, it works well because we've seen the past. I think it works it. better. I think it just sucks because it makes Xander a worse person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I okay, think it, so it would feel nicer if he had been a little more excited previously to, like, it would feel like something really tragic happened here instead of it kind of feels like something. Right. This, this demon was trying to ruin their lives, and he did, but it only worked because they were already at that point. Yeah, and it kind of feels more like he destroyed Anya, but like Xander was kind of already there. Yeah. So like, I guess that's the Which thing is like, point. I, yeah. <laughs> I like don't know that I feel bad for Xander because like all of this, right. He could have really spoken up about that this, this happened, but yeah, but yeah. he is, is still his fault that it got this far. It is. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was just yes. thinking about that. Like, I, I was it, like, I can't tell if I would feel better if Xander ever felt like he had something to lose, but he just really never seemed to want this the whole time. Yeah. So, But I, so, I mean, we sort of touched on this, but I really want to talk about Anya in this episode. And even if it means kind of jumping ahead a little bit to that season seven episode that flashes back to this, but like the whole time, you know, and she's getting, she's got her dress on, everything that she's saying is like, she says like, this is the happiest day of my whole life. She's been alive for a thousand years. Like, is Xander really, I, I guess I'm just, I'm very curious what she's, actually feeling and it's so funny that out of all the characters that she's the one that has bought in the most to like the wedding industry I don't mean to say the wedding industry but like this idea that your wedding is going to be the best day of your life and that all the things that she says are like so kind of over the top sentimental from someone who we have typically not seen emote that much again it's not that I don't buy it but I think you know talking like pulling it apart with you now, it definitely feels false in a way that I think it doesn't always come across immediately. I don't think it comes across immediately like she doesn't know what she's feeling, but thinking about it, I think it's clear that it is a little bit of a front for her too, even though she doesn't probably think that. It's funny that you say that because one thing that I kind of giggled at that I don't know, I can't think back to 2003 or whenever (laughs) this aired, and I don't know if it was the same cliche kind of thing because social media wasn't really like a thing. And so you weren't seeing it. But like when she was like, 
I can't believe I get to spend the rest of my life with my best friend. Yeah, like, yeah. I was just like, that's literally what everyone says like, in their yeah. wedding photos. Like, I can't believe I get to marry my best friend yeah. today. And I just kind of laughed because it does make it ring a little hollow. Yeah. Like, she's acting out the motions or something. But, but I think the flip again, side is that, that she actually thinks that. She doesn't like, have any other friends either, you know? I yeah. mean, that's definitely the difference between them, too, is that, like, she, as soon as she became human, she's been in a relationship with Xander pretty much the whole time, and she hit, is involved in his circle, but she's not close with Willow. She's not close with Buffy. She's not even close with Tara, who seems to be able to be close with everybody, you know? Like, and meanwhile, Xander really still has his whole life, so I can I can definitely see how, for her, it's, like, She's putting all of her hopes and dreams on one person who is not reliable. (laughs) I like that you just said that, that Xander still has his whole life because Anya has made Xander her life. She has, She has the magic box and she has the store and all of that. But like outside of that, you're right. She doesn't have any other humans. Only is Xander's girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. In a, she yeah. does whatever he does. Yeah. His life is her life. And in that way, again, this kind of ending makes a lot of sense. Again, it's only set at the wedding in the TV episode to make it the most dramatic that it could be. But this, uh, the rest of this fallout feels 100% like it's exactly what would have happened. Yeah. Just maybe when you start looking maybe at it the numbers yeah. and the money, <laughs> yeah. you speak up a little even the night, Even the night before, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Oof. I, I did wonder, though, why some of the demons who could hide their faces and like their demon aspects didn't do that. Like mm-hmm. Halfrick's just chilling there in a dress with her demon face on. It's but true. We just saw her a couple episodes ago with like a normal face. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. there's just one random thought I was thinking about. Um, also that they all seem to be in a wedding party, but it's like when she's walking down the aisle, like the only one is Halfrick and she's like sitting in the audience. I know. Like, <laughs> Halfrick wasn't like with them all morning getting ready or anything. <laughs> weird it was weird um no but i think like the ending is and we'll come back to it because i think we'll talk in future episodes about like where where anya goes yeah the ending feels really ominous because like we just said like she's basically lost her entire world life and you can kind of see to and swoop in and take advantage of that and offer her her old life back yeah but, and it just and really I, sad. I question whether the timing, like, would she take it? Because, yes, she probably wants vengeance on Xander right. or men or whatever. But then she also had this entire happy life ruined because of her past life as a it's vengeance It's true. Demon. It's true. So yeah. it's an interesting question. It is. Um, I feel like in yeah again in the past I feel like I've mostly just kind of listened to the surface things that Anya is saying in this episode and been like wow she really sure was in love with Xander and then not really thought that much past it maybe I thought a little more about Xander because he he gets a little bit more maybe focused in this episode um slightly but it is I mean really everything that we're saying is exactly what we see in that season seven flashback you know what I'm talking about right where it's like yeah we like see that there's this moment where Anya is like singing about in the music in the, in the future, we'll see a flashback to the Once More With Feeling episode and, like, one of the songs that Anya sings that we didn't ever see is, like, her talking about basically how Xander is her whole life. Ugh. That's a sad episode, too. Yeah. It's one of the only season seven episodes that I really remember. <laughs> um, but, yeah. But it also raises interesting questions about Anya's place in the show because 
because she has been written almost wholly as Xander's girlfriend yeah. and only that, like, it kind of calls into question, like, okay, now what? Like, yeah. for the character, what for her? What else can like, she if, do? If, if, if this was, like, her last appearance on the show, like, I would buy that because right. there's really, what else is she going to do, right? Yeah. So I think some of the, kind of like what you were saying before and kind of as this whole Season six is just difficult to watch. It is all difficult to watch because even outside of the relationship breaking down, we spend so much time with Xander's bad family. (laughs) Like, they're awful. Every scene with his family was like, oh my God, I want to tear my eyes out. Like, I can't keep watching this. And I I have to say, I I mean, I think they were very well wrought because all we've heard up until this point is Xander complained about his family, but we've really never seen them. And they were as bad as he's ever described them. Right? Yeah, but it was like I hard think, to like watch his creepy uncle hit on the catering waitress and watch his dad be drunk and yell at his mom and his mom be really passive aggressive about how she's not going to be in any of the photos. It was like, it was so realistic, but like really, really tough. Yeah, but I think like in some ways it's gratifying to see that because yeah. to build them up as so yeah, exactly. supremely awful, it's a little bit nice to see that Xander wasn't He's exaggerating. He's not exaggerating at all, yeah. I mean, and it, it does, I think, flush out Xander a little bit in this way that I never really think about. I mean, we've talked about, like I said, like his family comes up in passing, but it is interesting to think about how, like, as much as I criticize him, he sure is doing the best that he can for having, like, no support or role models in his personal life. Yeah. Um, so in other things, I do always like the opening joke about their bridesmaids' dresses. <laughs> <laughs> On a <Yeah>. lighter note, <laughs> they're actually some of the worst bridesmaids dresses that I've ever seen. They're so, well, so terrible. <laughs> I was laughing because the color in and of itself is not hideous. Yeah. It's the cut. It's of everything. Those yeah. It's awful. They're like, so bad. From the shoulders down, it looks like a paper bag. Yeah. And then it like weirdly flares out into like this trumpet skirt. And the little it's, multiple layered sleeves that really yeah. do look like jellyfish. Except for Buffy and Don get shorter ones, which are better, but. I thought it was sweet, though, that Willow was the best man. That is sweet. And she was like, don't, why don't I get to wear, like, a cool suit or tux? I was like, it's true. He really should. I think one of the really big logical flaws in this episode is that they would have invited Spike. Like, why did Spike show up in this episode? Xander hates Spike. They would not have invited him to the wedding. And it, doesn't, and it seems clear to me that he was invited. I don't know. Nobody's yeah, like, get out of here. I tell like, if he was invited or just crashing. I guess he could just be crashing, but really seems like. I would believe it if, like, he Why was would... just hanging around and Anya was talking about the wedding. Like, she was, you know, been talking about it forever. And, like, if she just invited him. Maybe. She's like, everybody should come. Yeah, okay, I guess. It just seemed, I was like, man, nobody hates Spike more than Xander. No, that's true. <laughs> it would be, like. Xander inviting Angel to his wedding. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Ugh. Well, that's what I have. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like the Spike Buffy interaction, but again, it's like giving me a little bit of whiplash to like what we're really supposed to think about them. And only because I'm stealing myself for everything to come. It's like, I can't handle this. <laughs> I can't personally handle this. Yeah. And, you know, just their little like Spike's trying to make her jealous. And then when he realizes like, it's kind of working. Yeah. Yeah. He leaves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, it's interesting for such a heavy episode with like ramifications. Like, I feel like it's pretty light. <laughs> I didn't on, feel like, like it was light plot. at all. <laughs> oh, no, light on plot. It is light on plot. Like, like there's not a whole lot more to talk about. Because no. not a whole lot more happened. Like, but I want to remember that feeling. Like hitting on one of those demon kids. Oh, I thought that was and, cute though. Or 
something. Yeah. And Willow and Tara are continuing to kind of, like, orbit each other. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well... Tara was kind of, like, the only one with Anya, too, which was, like, had to be truly an awful experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she really does get left behind. Um... So, also, Willow was like, I'm going to go find Xander. And then she comes back to the church and she's just like making goo goo eyes at Tara. And I'm like, Willow, where's Xander? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I do want to, I'm glad that you said that this one was light on plot because I think it is going to be an interesting contrast to the, the episode of Angel that we're going to dive into in a minute. Uh, which well, was that's the opposite, the opposite of light on plot. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into that. But I, <laughs> I was listening to our last episode. <laughs> And I took some notes about some things that we said, uh, what will be two weeks, two week, two episodes ago. Um, because, uh, shoot, which episode was that? Uh, 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 uh it was the one before Riley came back. It was Couplet. And then the Buffy episode. Couplet was Angel. Oh, um. Oh, Older and Far Away. Oh, okay. Because we were talking about how personal the demons are this season. And I thought that was a good observation two weeks ago, because this is a perfect example of that. Like this whole thing. I mean, it all happens because Xander and Anya have no business getting married. And this is, you know, something was going to happen to break them apart, but it is definitely like so personal. This demon has only come back. He's been plotting against Anya for decades, centuries. I don't know how long, right? It's like, couldn't be more personal rather than just being some kind of, monster that comes in for one episode and leaves for one episode. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a very similar thing that's happening on angel where, yeah, it always feels, I think like a little more of a personal vendetta because their big bads are usually out to get angel for whatever reason. But Mm -hmm. this demon is on a personal vendetta against angel. Yeah. Shazan or whatever. Whatever Shazan or Shazam. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but yeah, but I guess I was I was also thinking about like what what is so different about this season and this is this was a thought I had while I was walking home from the train and it's fine if it's not totally accurate, but I feel like previous, you know, the first 3 seasons there were difficult episodes like this and like some of the other ones that we've seen this season, you know, like like this whole like magic is like a drug topic, like it is we've seen just as heavy of topics come up even in season 2 and season three. Um, but they definitely tended to be confined to the episode length arc rather than spanning the whole season. You know, like the seasons were still ultimately about Buffy triumphing over something evil and Mm -hmm. like kind of season four sort of started playing with that. Or I mean, season five rather because her weight of triumph is like sacrificing herself. And that's like certainly much darker, but it still more more or less fits that whole it's that whole structure, but like this one is like the, the heavy stuff isn't ever letting up. It's never confined to one episode. All of it has had fallout that's continued as soon as they bring it up once it's been there with us the rest of the season. So I guess that's just not necessarily related to this episode specifically, but I was just thinking about like, God, why does season six, why does it feel so different? And it's like, even looking forward to the future, it isn't like Buffy doesn't triumph over a big bad at all. Really Buffy personally, I mean, over her own inner turmoil, but like, well, yeah, because Buffy doesn't triumph in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy is a little bit sidelined this she season. She's just a little because sidelined. Of her, yeah, because of her storyline. Like, she... It's interesting because, like, she's going through this really heavy thing of, like, coming back from the dead and all of that. But she... It's a really good point. Like, she... 
Like her triumph because is over. Because of all of that, own. I think it takes her out of the main yeah. story. Or, but also, I think it's because this is a season where like the trio's kind of popping in and out, but it's kind of even unclear if they're like big bad material at right. this point. Right. And then they 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 end up not being the big bad, but the big bad, all of that stuff because of who it involves and who ends up like triumphing over that in yeah. the end. Like it's <clears throat> Buffy's not really a player in that story. So no. Much. No. She's yeah. a player in her own story. Feel, it's just about her yeah. coming back to herself, not about her being yeah. anything. I mean, but and that her is, story is so separate from yeah, everything else yeah, that's it happening. Is. Yeah, yeah. No, that is an interesting observation, and it gives a very interesting feel to the season. For I sure. Think. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Do you want to yeah, talk, well, about talk about Angel? Angel. Tell me what um, happened. A thousand things happened in this episode, so I don't know how <laughs> you're going to sum it up quickly. <laughs> No, I'm going to try, though, um, to keep it high level yeah. because, again, it's it's like a lot of things happen, but also not a ton. So, mm. um, like, Cordelia's still gone. Yeah. Um, although I was wondering, like, real time, like... What she was doing? Cord- yeah. Yeah. Like, she's just... Um, Charisma Carpenter's just, like, absent for a few episodes. Mm-hmm. But... So, meanwhile, Angel is... You know, they just had that earthquake. His room is destroyed. Wesley isn't sleeping because he's, like, freaking out over this prophecy that somehow came true. And, like, what that little hamburger guy told him. Mm-hmm. And um, Angel, though, is, like, weirdly chipper. Like, he's like, it's fine. Like, this is why I have a hotel. I can just get another room. Yeah. And so he's just acting kind of weird. And Wesley's, yeah. like, you know, trying to, you know, relax a little bit. But also, like, he's just really worried, like, something's going to happen. And... um we see also, um, meanwhile, like Angel is just drinking a ton of blood in the background. Like he's just, you know, um, always whatever anything's happening, he's just got a cup of blood in his hand. So um, Lauren comes to them and he's like, hey, I've got a client who's got this weird thing happening. Like she's singing and she turns into like a weird demon. And it turns out like she's infected by her bandmates who turn out to be these like wraith or demons or something. Mm-hmm. And she'll be fine. But apparently the only thing to do is to kill these demons. So Angel, Gunn and Fred go to take care of the demons. And in the fight, Angel basically just like goes berserk and like rips them apart. Mm-hmm. So he's weirdly chipper. He's like very aggro in this fight and then they come back to the hotel and Connor's crying and Angel just like explodes at Connor Mm -hmm. and everybody's like what is going on like you can't yell at him he's just a baby like this is what they do they cry they need changing they are a constant um you know yeah they're a constant job and so Angel kind of backs off and he's like something's wrong with me like I don't know what's going on because he's also like thrown his blood at the wall or something Mm -hmm. so Fred tests the blood and turns out that it's not just pig's blood, it's also spiked with human blood, and Angel figures out that the blood is Connor's. Mm-hmm. So, Wolfram and Hart has set him up to drink his kid's blood, which is obviously horrifying on a lot of levels because now Angel said that for the past few days, like, Connor has been smelling like food. Mm-hmm. And um, so this doesn't help Wesley's state of mind because all signs are pointing to Angel doing something bad to Connor. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, Angel, um, sorry, Wesley has been meeting with Holtz because he's trying, I think to like parlay and like get Holtz to back off. But Holtz is really concerned that Angel is, or not concerned, but like convinced that Angel is going to harm the child. And he seems to have convinced Wesley of that because of all of these events that are happening. Mm-hmm. So Wesley decides that he's going to take Connor. He says for the night, he's just going to take him out 
to the park and he like hums a little lullaby to Connor and Lauren reads him and realizes this is not what's going to happen. So um, he tries to stop Wesley, but Wesley like knocks him out. Wesley takes Connor and leaves and then Holtz and his team show up at the hotel and they're quickly dispatched with Holtz escapes. And um, then we see Wesley like with Connor and Justine, like Holtz's right-hand woman, like comes up to him and she like pretends like Holtz has, you know, tried to kill her. Like he's not <clears throat> who she thought he was. And she actually slits Wesley's throat and takes yeah. Connor. And she meets up with Holtz. And meanwhile, Angel has figured out what's going on because Lauren they, like revives and tells them what's going on. Angel has also um, been talking with Lila about the blood. And so they met Shajan and, or Sajan, whatever. And, um, Angel doesn't know what this guy is doing, but, like, he's kind of figured out, like, this is all connected. So he goes after Holtz and the baby and has to make a choice between basically giving Connor to Wolfram and Hart mm-hmm. or giving let, letting Holtz take the baby. And in that moment, like, Holtz does seem like the better choice. Yeah. But then Sajan shows up and, like, creates a portal to another dimension, like mm-hmm. a very dark-looking dimension, and Holtz jumps through the portal and it closes. So, yeah, I'm sure I missed some finer plot points, but not really. Actually, I think you got covered it. Like you said, that was quite a bit that happened. It was. Um, So where to begin? (laughs) Uh, Where do we begin? I don't know. I don't. I think this could have been executed better. (laughs) I feel like at the end when Connor was being pulled away from Angel, I was like oddly not invested in that part of the story at all I don't know I don't am I just a grouch now I just I, there just are no, so I many people that... in this episode I don't understand who Sajan is they've finally told us his name I still like even Angel is like what are you nobody knows why you're here including me the audience I don't know why he's here he's not I don't understand how he falls into this story at all I'm like Holtz is annoying enough that we have this third tier like person big player is like so annoying to me yeah like i was thinking at the end you have this big standoff with the three players you have wolfram and hart you have holtz and you have sajan and like none of it's very clear like it's all still very fuzzy about everyone's motivation like we kind of know wolfram and hart is always just going to be trying to make angel's life miserable right and they they're interested in connor for like medical research or whatever whatever yeah medical just yeah research and then Sajan, though, is, like, still, like, why haven't they told us, at least, like, why he's here? Yeah. What did Angel do to him? Lila What's doesn't know. Angel doesn't know. Yeah. Holtz doesn't know. <laughs> and it kind of undercuts the whole story because, like, this should be a shocking episode. It should it be, is. Like, yeah. Wesley kidnaps Connor. Wesley gets, we don't even know. Wesley could be killed right. at this point, for all we know. I mean, right. we know he's not, but he could be. And, um... You know, and then Holtz, like, escapes with the baby. Like, all of this should be really shocking stuff, but it's all undercut because I'm like, I still don't know why any of this is happening. I don't either. And the characters are so boring that I honestly don't care. I, like, like, every moment that we spent with Justine was a waste of my life, you know? And, like, Sajan was only ever so slightly redeemed because I really love Lila, and I think she was the only redeeming thing about this, like, really, really convoluted well, not the only redeeming thing about this episode, but the only redeeming thing about this like really convoluted plot line and why we have this guy coming in and out of the episodes is like, well, at least it meant we got to see Lila in the bar again, which I think I do really like. Not I think I do really like. I like Lila. And yeah. But like kind of to your point is like, 
we know what, I don't need to know the specifics of what Wolfram and Hart has planned for Connor to understand why they're involved in this story. Because like, so it is like a difference. It's like, it's not that I need every last detail explained, but it's like the motive has to be there. So it's like Wolfram and Hart yeah. works for me because I know I can conceive of what they're doing or why they're in- involved in this, even without knowing this very specific plan or strategy that they have, because I know who they are and I know how they relate to Angel, but I don't know who Sajan is. I don't know why he cares. I don't know what his powers are. Apparently he can make portals open, but he can't touch anyone in the world. Like what, you know? Yeah, it's really strange. And we don't really know. Like, also, I think because Wesley's whole plan happens in the background, too. Yeah. Like, we also don't know. I, I think really, it's because it's supposed to be a surprise, but we don't even know Wesley's main motivation other than he's just, like, afraid of this prophecy. But, I like, know. we don't know what he worked out with, with Holtz or, like, how he knew they were coming. Like, it kind of makes him look like, okay, at least he got the baby out of the way before Holtz showed up. Yeah. But then to take him. Yeah. At, we don't know why any of this is happening. It really felt like a missed opportunity to me that they didn't spend more time with Wesley specifically or Wesley and Angel, because really it's it feels like the most interesting part of this story is that Wesley has decided to and some, you know, to some degree, he's betraying Angel. And it's I think it's it's so clear that he's trying to do it for the right reasons. But like, why don't we see him tell Angel about the prophecy? Like, why doesn't he tell Angel about the prophecy? If they I think it would be more realistic or more interesting if they disagreed about like I think it would make sense for Wesley to tell Angel about it and then for Angel to Angel is really afraid of himself and his darker self but I can see him still not wanting to give Connor up and then having Wesley be like this is the best choice and finding a sneaky way to do it like it just it doesn't feel like they're spending enough time with this huge betrayal (laughs) yeah you know it's really strange because like and like Wesley was so stupid in this episode and he's been yeah he's never stupid he's a lot of things but he's not stupid why did he believe like, Justine? We, yeah, well, I mean, like, I mean, she was pretty convincing, but, like, I think it's because he wanted to believe her because, it's true. Yeah. you know, he's, Dude, oh, I'm going right. to save her you're or whatever. Right. But, like, I think also, it's like, Holtz has convinced him, and I think it's easy for Holtz to convince him that Angel might hurt sure. Connor. Because that's, not that's a, stretch. a yeah. fear that everyone has, yes. right? Because it's risky, a vampire around a baby. But I think seeing Angel's reaction to drinking Connor's blood should be enough to assuage him a little bit counteract exactly except here's the key part wesley didn't see that that's true so i think if wesley had been there when angel discovered this and angel's horror at like what he might do to connor then that would be the time for wesley to say hey there's this prophecy like you might want to seriously think about whether you are the best thing for connor and like all of that but like they don't have that conversation and wesley doesn't see this important thing and so they just operate independently and do the stupid thing. And like yeah. we talked about this before, why can't they just talk to each why other? Why can't they just have a conversation? One conversation. <laughs> Even if they still ended up, I would still enjoy, I think, this schism between them. You know, it doesn't mean that it's not like I think them having this conversation is going to solve the problem. And that's not really what I want because there needs to be conflict in the show, you know, for it to be interesting. Yeah. But like it does, it seems so immature and so silly that they're not even addressing it. Like, they've told Angel every other prophecy about him, which are just as life-changing, you know? It's not like the other ones have been easy. I also just... Holtz is just infuriating. (laughs) And this episode only kind of made him really bug me more. I think he just really has that air about him of, like, it's not just that he... It's No, it is. It's just that he's a hypocrite. And he just is like those people who ally themselves with 
poor political choices because they're ultimately going to further their causes, even though those people have no, you know, it's just like he hates demons, but he works with them all the time. He is moral, but he's murdering people right and left. Like what he, he thinks that he is above everybody and he's just as awful. And it's like really frustrating because I don't outside his own code. He is exactly. That's, that's, that was sort of what I, the thought that I had this morning is, is like, it would be more interesting or I think it would be better if he just, if he was like working towards like values or something, but what he has what he thinks he has is morals. And I feel like I'm really irritated that he can't make a distinction. I was, I was thinking, sorry, this is like a little bit of a tangent, but I was thinking about how much I enjoyed the first season of daredevil because, um, Kingpin was like the big villain. You watched that season, right? Yeah. And like Kingpin was like the big villain and he was such a cool villain because he was really unapologetically bad, but he really was, had this, like, he wasn't trying to be more moral than people. He didn't think he was like, more virtuous than anyone, but he genuinely was like trying to better his like neighborhood and his community. You know what I mean? Like at the cost of anything. And I feel like that was a much better handling of like somebody who's very morally gray instead of trying to convince us all the time that he's somehow righteous. I guess righteousness doesn't really work that well for me often. It's like really hard to pull it off and Holtz is not pulling it off. So he's, he's only infuriating. He's not interesting. No, you're right. And I think where it also fails is, you know, he's, insufferable with his morality and like he's not pulling it off at the same time but he's also making weird exceptions for himself constantly and basically has become this monster but it's all in pursuit of this vengeance that he has decided is the right thing to do that like staring him in the face is an angel who is clearly not a threat he's clearly (laughs) looking for the side of good everybody tells him and he won't give him a pass because he's like it's still the same person but it's we've we've spent three seasons of angel hammering home the fact that that's really not true, no matter how much yeah. they say that. They're, yeah. And it's a weird refusal on Holtz's part to engage with this idea, and I think it's because if he does, then his entire plan for vengeance collapses, and like yeah. that means he's missed it. While he's been waiting, you know, wherever he was for the last, like, 200 yeah. years, he missed his chance because right. the angel that he should have taken this out on Isn't there. died in, you know, yeah. whatever year he got cursed. So... He's missed his chance, but, like, admitting that to himself is not an option, so he just refuses to engage with the reality of the situation. But that makes this whole thing seem nonsensical, and, It sure is. What's the point? And also, like, like, then he gets this weird, like, him and Justine are gonna, like, be a family with Angel's son? Like, how is that the logical extension of his plan? (laughs) I was like, oh, is this this a lie? Or is this what he really means? This is the thing, so... Like, Holtz, when he arrives, is, like, planning to kill Angel. He doesn't know about the baby. He very soon finds out about the baby. So then the question I have is, was this his plan the whole time? Yeah. To just kidnap the baby and raise him? Like Exactly. It's then such why a goes, weird Then why plan. are you, like, building an army and, like, all this stuff? Like, surely there's a different way to go about yeah, this. Yeah, I agree. Just kidnap him. Just be sneaky. Your whole plan should be about being sneaky and covert, not about, like, assaulting the hotel. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah, I really got into my breaking point with Holtz in this episode, I think. I like his affected voice. I can't. I don't understand his accent. I feel like it hasn't even been consistent this whole time. He is just so obnoxious. Justine well, is so, so probably stupid. probably good that you got to like, your breaking point, because I think this is his last episode. <laughs> I think he, he doesn't come back again. Um, I kind of well, thought he did. not for a while. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to have a break. Yeah. I don't think he comes back until next season, maybe. I just, why in an episode like this even have this B-plot with the band and that girl? Why, what uh, was that doing I don't except know. wasting time? 
I think it's just to have an example of Angel going nuts. Oh, like, right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, it does seem a bit superfluous, but... I mean, again, all of this is just sloppily written. It just like, so it doesn't sloppy. feel very tightly constructed. <laughs> and I also, like, I knew this was coming. I just didn't realize it came this quickly. Like, I think that's the Me other either. problem I have with, like, Wesley's actions is, like, yeah. he's known about this prophecy for one episode. Yeah. And <laughs> he has been, like, freaking out for one episode. But, like, he takes pretty extreme actions pretty immediately. Like, he doesn't even try, I guess... It doesn't seem consistent with Wesley. Like, he doesn't try to explore any other avenue totally. or, like, make sure that he's translating it correctly or all of that. He just, like, in one day jumps from, like, oh, my God, to I must kidnap Connor. Like, and work with the enemy. Yeah. It's not even like he's just planning his this on his own. Why does he even need to ally himself with Holtz? He could just kidnap Connor on his own. It Probably far more effectively because he already lives with Angel. Or he's, I mean, he's at the hotel all the time. Like, yeah. what? You're, you're right. And I think the, the other thing that I was thinking about is that I, I appreciate that they are, that the reason that they're doing this is because they want Wesley to be seeing Angel behaving badly. So like Angel's been drinking Connor's blood and it's affecting him. And we see that. And Wesley sees that and takes it as like further evidence of this. But the problem with that is that then this episode that's supposed to be very dramatic where we see Angel lose his son, who he, he loves, is that it really made it not... Like, it was hard to flip it, the switch back at the end of the episode and be like, oh, yeah, Angel's really distraught about this because he'd been acting so distant and, like, difficult in this episode. So I feel like it, yeah, I think it really would have been better to let this play out a little bit more slowly for Angel and Wesley to have had a confrontation about it. And they could still end up on opposite sides, you know, like we like we said. But I feel like it would have been better served to have moments before his son gets ripped away from him. We really should have seen Angel be loving again. Like, it's just like the dramatic tension was not there because it was like, yeah, what? Does Angel even care about this kid? I don't care about this kid anymore. <laughs> like, he's just a plot device now. that Wesley didn't even try to, like, say to Angel, like, hey, maybe I should take Connor and not tell you where I'm taking him. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. At least for, like, a while or something. You know, I... Uh, it's so frustrating. And I... I feel like Wesley... Especially because character, Wesley's getting the shaft. Yes. Yeah. And Wesley's character is getting it, too, because it, this... This episode makes Wesley look, it makes him look desperate, which I think is the point, but it also makes him look stupid. And yeah. all of this like wonderful character building that we've been doing. It's just doing, kind of throwing like, it this away. This is going to yeah. add to that in the end, which I think is the only reason I'm okay with it. Yes, but, like, I agree. Wesley definitely does some things that seem out of character and like not well thought out. Mm-hmm. And maybe we're supposed to think, okay, he's he's tired. He hasn't been sleeping. So his judgment is impaired. He's like worried. But I... Wesley's always so measured and like the other thing too of like him snapping at Gunn and Fred like we're supposed to think too like oh he's just jealous yeah exactly and like all of that to combine to this is just like well I don't I don't think like his jealousy over Gunn and Fred is like contributing to these actions so why are we trying to apply that like tying them together no it's a great point yeah no no you're totally right and it yeah they just really are underserving Wesley. I think they really could have, we could have cut that stupid, dumb demon, whatever his name is, out of this completely and then had so much more okay, room that to is spend a great, with Wesley. That's a great point here. What purpose is Sajan serving? Like, he, they yes, just he literally like needed the, somebody to make a portal, but like every other character in this show is magical. Somebody would have figured it yeah. out. Wolfram and Hart could have Or they needed somebody. somebody to bring Holtz back or whatever, but like, why not just have Wolfram exactly and Hart all of that could have been Wolfram and Hart? 
or somebody who's like being a rebel at Wolfram and Hart. Like I already have this huge entity, which is like pretty much a deep, deep well for literally any type of magic or storyline that you could need. Like they already have a like in fiction plot device that will always work. You know what I mean? Is like, why are we drawing extra ones? Even if the explanation had been that Wolfram and Hart called this guy, the fact that that's not what they choose to do is just so baffling. Yeah, I don't know. Does, do we get some explanation <laughs> about him in the future? We must. I don't remember what it is, though. I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Like, is this his last appearance? Like, he just goes away in frustration? Yeah, or, like, maybe. Do we find out what his beef with Angel is? And it better not be something stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It probably will be. It probably will be. I have be. no faith. <laughs> Me neither. <sighs> okay, I want to say something nice about this I episode. do, too. Well... I, I do think that even though he's acting ridiculous... Um, I do want to say that Alexis Denisoff um, is doing Alexis nice. Alexis Denisoff is doing great. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I, I agree. And I know I already said this, but I really did like Lila. And I think that's such a funny, it's such a funny counterpoint to kind of all my complaints is it's like, they have so many things that are good and they just choose to not use them. <laughs> like, like, it's like, for some reason, the writers are just being so willful about like what's already at their at the ready for them to use. But like when they do pull Lila back in, like I could watch her talk to Angel at that bar all day long. Like I thought that was so interesting. I love hearing more about her, you know, and it's like, they don't have to be that specific for it to really feel like engaging and interesting for me. Like what is, why, why does anybody work for Wolfram and Hart? And it's like, you don't need that much explanation, but like any kind of little hint about it is interesting. And I just think, and I also love the way that that goes where like, she's, has an explanation for maybe how she got into it and like what, what the benefits are for her. But also she's very freely admitting that at this point, she's just in it. None of that matters. She's just in it because she does. She's just doesn't care. Yeah. She doesn't care. And she's making a lot of money. Like what a more interesting villain and counter. Well, you know what? We're saying nice things. So I won't make that point, but yes, I really like Lila. I agree that Wesley's story isn't going that great in this episode, but that Alexis Denisoff is totally pulling it off to the best of his ability. And also we also frequently talk about this, but like Lauren in the background is so great. I I really wish Lauren were, I I kind of thought he was going to have a bigger part by this point in the season or in the show, but I, I really like him. They do tend to sideline him, and I I wonder if some of that is, like, like logistical considerations, right. because, like, probably you can't have him in every scene because the makeup, makeup job yeah. is just, like, insane, but... Um, yeah. As a character, though, they sideline him they as do. well, so it's, like, even when he's there, like, the, the team kind of treats him horribly. They do. They do. Angel <laughs> treats him like his little servant he does. or whatever. I, yeah, I do wish that that would kind of come to a head and... Yeah, but it's but, true that Lauren still seems a bit separate from the rest of them. Although I guess this is the only place he has now to run his business. Yeah. So, cause I kind of forgot that Holtz exploded his club. Mm-hmm. So, but I like Lauren as a character. I like his performance and I, that's like something that's still going well, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. Also, do they all forget that they shouldn't say no? <laughs> like um, Leslie, don't sing. I know. <laughs> I kind of like that moment though. Cause like you could kind of feel it happening and be like, Oh, sh- he doesn't, it doesn't, he only needs to get like one note out before it's like too late. Yeah. I do want to say though, that Gunn and Fred are still annoying. Oh me. my God. That opening scene with them was rough. Having their little phone conversation. Yeah. That was bad. 
they just don't have chemistry, I think, is the problem. They right? don't. And and I like, think that's the problem. Uh, like, I might be willing to forgive a lot of that yeah, if it felt just, like they had chemistry, but they do not. No. And I like both of them generally on the show and, like, their acting in general, but I don't know what it is about, yeah, not coming together. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, I'm also ready for Cordelia to come back. Yeah. I hope she comes back in the next episode. Me too. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, like, yawning a bunch. I'm like, oh, I hope this. <laughs> Like we said, it's early for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, not anymore. I just haven't had adequate sleep. Um, yeah. Because I <laughs> finished this episode at 7.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. That's everything I have, I think, about both of these. Yeah. Um, okay. So next time we've got the fallout from this. So I think it's called Forgiveness. Forgiving. Yeah. Forgiving. <clears throat> and, um, and then we have Normal again on Buffy. Yes. Which I'm, oh. I like, I think I like that one. I'm excited to watch it. I can't remember which one that is. You'll remember when you, you yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. It's sort of okay. a like step away from the. Yes. The main plot. Line. I mean, it's still, it's Buffy centric, but it's like not totally in line with the normal storyline. Right. I think I remember which one yeah. that is. Okay. So we've got those and then we'll be back to talk about those. Do you have any pop culture this week? No. I no. feel like I do, but I can't think of anything. I know. I feel like I, I had to something take notes in now. I'm just like, mm, I don't remember. Yeah. So I am going. I Hopefully I'll have some next week because I'm, I'm going to see Booksmart this week. Oh, yeah. So I've heard good I'm things. I'm excited about that. And I do also want to see the Mindy Kaling. Uh, oh, the Emma Thompson movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Emma Thompson. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't um, really but I haven't seen either that. of those yet, so I can't say whether or not I recommend them. (laughs) Oh, what I did start, but not have time to finish because it's longer than I realized. We started watching the matrix last weekend and hopefully this weekend, maybe tonight we can finish it. It's two and a half hours. I was like, Oh, that movie must be under two hours. (laughs) It is not. Uh, (laughs) Um, but matrix is one of my all time favorite movies. And I, it's like one of my like first favorite movies, you know, like whenever it came out, I was like, Oh my God, this is so cool. And I like, I have seen it so many times, but I haven't watched it as much since I've gotten older. Not r- really just because I wanted to be able to maintain, like, I don't want to get sick of it. Um, and it just kind of came up in conversation the other day and I was like, Oh, I'm just like really ready to watch it again. And so far it's great. I really like it. I, I probably say this not infrequently, but what I really like a lot of sci-fi and action and stuff like that. And I feel like the ones that are really good, you know, it's like, the Matrix cursed 10 years of movies for who everybody just decided to use these camera techniques that they developed for the Matrix. But it's so fun to watch it in the original context, which is something that makes sense. You know, it's like the Matrix is like, it's a pretty light story. Like the story is not that complicated. Like the actual, you know, like it's like, it is a hero and he's going to save everybody. Like it's not a very complicated plot. It's just like, so then the whole movie, what makes it interesting is like all of the set dressing that they put on it. Like the Kung Fu or the fighting sequences are so imaginative and so fun to watch. The camera work is really interesting and it makes it feel like you're in a computer program, which is like the point, you know what I mean? This is like, everything is working together, but it is also like, it's, I feel like the, um, effects in the CGI are like aging pretty well. Cause they, again, as with anybody who was smart, if you need to use CGI, you gotta do it with a light hand. And granted, we haven't seen the second half of the movie, so like maybe something is gonna look really awful by the end of it. But for the most part, it's like it's mostly that they're doing camera techniques and wire work and really 
hard worked choreography, but it's not that much. Like they're not just animating whole sequences. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree. That movie is like visually impressive. It's um, still working. And I've only seen it like a handful of times, but, but it's, it's one of those things where like, I think it's a case of like what comes after it spoils the original because it does. It does feel a little tired when you watch it now. And then also I think the matrix sequels, yes, we just don't. Yeah. Just, they don't. It's they like don't they exist. wanted to replicate mm-hmm. it so badly, they just diluted the impact of the original. So Yeah. Well, I'm happy to live um, in a world where those don't exist. And Jordan's mm-hmm. going to get mad at me for saying that because we already had a light uh, debate about it <laughs> this week. Um, but as much as the later stuff does dilute it, I, I kind of feel like seeing it again now, having not seen it in a long time, and having, like, now that that is, like, not quite, in, it's not in vogue for, like, literally every movie to have a a like 360 camera shot of it. You know, like people aren't doing that anymore. And I do think it's really, it's really working for me. It does feel fresh again. And it really, you can tell like, I don't know, just such a good movie. They have not as a team been able to recreate this, uh, you know, effect either, but uh, uh, <laughs> Jupiter ascending was not the one. <laughs> that was the last time that I watched the matrix is after I saw Jupiter ascending. And I was like, wait, was the matrix good? Or did I imagine that whole thing? And I was like, no, 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 it's still good. So I knew that it, I was still going to enjoy it, but it was, because of Jupiter Ascending. You know, Jupiter Ascending was... Oh, it's my favorite bad movie, though. It was like, yeah. <laughs> it was like, it had its charms. Like, I was like, I'm willing to objectively recognize that this is terrible, but like, it had its moments where I was like, okay, I could I could. We should do this. like a drunk watch of that again. Because I'm sure I've said this even on the podcast before. I saw that movie twice in theaters. <laughs> the first time I went to see it was in earnest. And I was like, I, this might be cool. It might be bad, whatever. Me and my friend went. And then we... on. I went with the same person the second time, but that time we went to like hate watch it and it was like pretty fun. <laughs> but I think if we made some sort of drinking game out of it, it could be really good. Um, yeah. I'm sure I've said this before too, but what I really, I think why that movie is like, it's, it's a, I, it is objectively not good. Like it definitely doesn't ever gel, but it is really, it's like a notch away from being good. Like it's like, Almost like the co- I remember the costumes being like perfect. Like she's this really, she has to like Mila Kunis's character has to like get married at the end, and there's this like really elaborate scene, and I was like, wow, she looks super cool. But then like two minutes later, there's this like literally looks like it was shot on a Universal stage in the '50s, like world falling apart sequence, and I was like, oh my god, this is like everything is all over the place, and like they, they were really close to making something profound and interesting, and instead it just is a disaster. But yeah. it makes it inter- it's so it's hard inter- to watch that and then try to pick out the things that they should have fixed. Like what what yeah. could they change that would make it go from awesomely bad to awesome? Yeah. But like, but it does feel like I it's not don't. that far, at least to me. I mean, it is that far, yeah. and then, like they're clearly not there. But it just seems like God. If you, would, I don't know what it is, and if you had just tweaked a few things, I think this would have been great. Anyway, anyway, watch the Matrix. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch the movie we just talked don't about watch. for five minutes. Nope. <laughs> okay. Or do. I don't know. Um, okay. Well, um, let's see. What team oh, are you man. on? Oh, this is a tough week. It is. Hmm. <laughs> I sort of hated everyone. <laughs> I'm going to be team Lauren. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be team Lila. Because he tried to do the right thing and stop Wesley, but. I'll be team Lila just because she was the only other person who I enjoyed. Yeah. Even though she wasn't doing anything good, but I appreciated her role in the episode. Yeah. Rough week for teams. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) All right. right. Well, hopefully it'll be a little bit easier to pick teams next time. Yes. Next week we'll be back with normal again and forgiving. Yeah. 
All right. I'll talk to you Okay. Then. Bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com. 